Hey, what's up? This is the Recovered AF Podcast. Um, my name is Aaron. I've got a buddy. His name is Kyle. And now he says a disclaimer. Yeah, this is the disclaimer. We're not affiliated with any 12-step organization. Um, those organizations don't have spokespeople or representatives or anything like that. If they did, they would not pick Aaron and I to speak for him. <laughs> so um, with that said... Uh, we have a guest today that I'm going to let Aaron introduce. That's right. Um, they, they might have a celebrity a spokesperson, is probably if they had one. Definitely wouldn't be us, though. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. One day you'll be famous. Probably. But I'm counting on it. <laughs> <laughs> so our guest today is uh, our friend Charlene. What's up, Charlene? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Wonderful. Good. We were just, I just saw on the book that um, you got a, a new tattoo and it's titled the devil herself is that is that correct that is correct yeah um you can be an intimidating presence for sure like i wouldn't want to cross you that's what i know i wouldn't fuck with you yeah we're just gonna keep that going okay yeah <laughs> you just like you just like that rep yes absolutely okay, we're fine. gonna keep that all right the first time i ever i didn't even meet you but you were getting a tattoo and i was in getting quoted for a tattoo and you were getting a tattoo on your forearm uh, by... I don't remember that. One of our... Yeah, because we, we didn't know each other at the time. Really? You remember was, me? That was the first time I interacted with I'm you. because so I was sorry, like, I don't that's remember That's fucking you. cool. That's okay. I'm in there all the time, though. So. Yeah. And then uh, you were getting one on your forearm, I think. Huh. And then I was... Uh, the dude was quoting me on one that I was getting. Right on. Did you get... You got your tattoo? Mm-hmm. He's done in three of mine. I didn't even know you had tattoos. Yep. Most of them are... Like under a sleeve, you know. Okay, like, cool. Yeah, but maybe later we'll show. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but you can put it on your Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Aaron, oh yeah, we have our an Instagram. Instagram what, I don't know. You have better say it because I don't know it or even understand. What we Instagram have an Instagram is. where we post pictures now of the podcast. It'll be Aaron and I, and if guests want to be a part of that, potentially they will be. But we'll see because we don't want to violate anyone's anonymity by putting it on a recovery podcast please so, violate my anonymity yeah perfect will, you're um, on okay i'm gonna cool. sneak photos this yeah. whole hour love it. <laughs> so but yeah it's we'll um, the identifying tattoos to match so. yep. <laughs> yeah. it's a uh, recovered af podcast is the instagram page okay we've posted one picture just so that it was an active account and we haven't done anything since but <laughs> it was a good picture though if we, i must say so we have 12 followers oh uh, yeah that's <laughs> when we went down to the uh choice city stomp with Elaine, yeah, right. From the from the podcast, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's what happens sometimes if I ask people to do the podcast, and they're like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Hey, I've got this thing going on. You guys should check it out." And I was like, "Yep," but there was a guy playing that I really liked, and but then we had to go home early because I'm old. Mm. So yeah, your dad. Anyway, Charlene and I met because we used to be part of the same home group. Um, it was. It was Charlene and myself and our friend Ryan, who's been on the podcast, and our friend Vanessa, who's been on the podcast, and our mutual friend, who we won't say his name until he moves back here, which he's We can't ready. say his name? No, nope. not until he's on the podcast. Really? Well, we can, but we refuse to. Yeah. Because he hasn't been on the podcast. Can we, we say his initials? We just call him our mutual friend. That's his name. We have so many mutual, mutual friends, friends Yeah, but there's but just only the one, one. <laughs> our mutual friend. We have 25 episodes, and I bet... He's been referenced as our mutual friend in like 24. <laughs> so we, when he finally comes on, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, and we already have the name of the podcast. What is it? Our mutual friend returns, <laughs> and then we'll introduce him. Fantastic! <laughs> I love it. There's so much buildup now based on his return. He's going to he, be, gonna be back in like a week or two. Yep. Yeah, I was just talking to I'm him. I'm excited. He's going to have to knock that I one out of the friend. park. Yeah. So 
Anyway. No pressure. Mutual friend. That's right, buddy. Um, so we usually start with people's first experience uh, in the 12 steps. So maybe you could just walk us through how you first uh, got introduced to the 12 steps. And, like, we've all sort of got different things. Kyle, um, you know, has been here since. I have had multiple tries to varying effort levels, I guess. And so, like, what was your – how did you get started on the 12-step gig? Okay. So you talking about my first time – getting introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous, or are you talking about the first time I did some step work? Uh, Can we cuss on this? Hell yes. I I have such a terrible mouth, too. The first time you were introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous, because, like, again, like, mine was 20, and I did the fellowship thing and the clubhouse thing and never, never... Did a step. I mean, I did, but not really. Not like like I know. Not like I know them today. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, um, my... It was, like, 1998... And I was 13, and I that was the first time I drank. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with my, my friends, and we all went up in the forest, and we had vodka. And I will talk about this another time, but I remember the second the vodka hit me. Like, I will never forget that feeling. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that night, um, we were just walking around, and, like, there was this chick jogging, and... <laughs> She looked at us and was like, you have too much fun, guys. And I was beyond, beyond blasted. I was so drunk. And she called the cops. Mm. And so we got arrested. And I was like in the back of the cop car. And we were there was like five of us. And I was like sitting on top of someone. I was sitting on their lap because it was a small town, like mm-hmm. 3,000 people. Um, I didn't get charged with that. I did have to do... Uh, I got, no, I did. I get a minor possession is what I got. And then I had to go to, you know, court and all that stuff. My dad, um, I don't think he would mind me putting him on blast. <laughs> I should have probably asked him before, but he's always said, you know, you can always tell my stories or whatever. It is Father's Day, so I'm I know. sure getting put on blast would be very lovely. <laughs> I just won't say his name, but he's my dad. So um, he uh, has been an alcoholic. I mean, like his whole life or whatever, had just gotten sober. He'd been sober six months and dragged my ass to a meeting. That okay. was my first meeting. Was that? It was in Alano Club. It was in North Bend, Oregon. Um, everyone was old. Everyone had like their own mug in the <laughs> in the cupboard, and I thought that was just like really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest thing that happened there. Yeah. Was that there were mugs with people's names <laughs> yeah, on it, and they get their own cubby. I didn't get a cup. Yeah. But I didn't quit drinking. Mm. So, I mean, I was 13. And my dad says, today, you know, I just wanted you to be introduced to this. I just wanted you to have a chance. And so that's what I did. I went to meetings with him a couple of times. Um, Quit going to meetings a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I partied for a really long time. Um, And then I finally uh, decided to get sober again on my own when I was 17 and um, we had moved to a different uh, different place in Oregon, and there was a meeting right across the street from us. So I went over there, and and I really tried. I tried to to pay attention and listen, and 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 see, you know, how do I relate to these people? How are these people like me? I was the youngest person there. I was seventeen, um, and I tried to you know, be a part of, because everyone was so happy, and Mm -hmm. everyone was, they would do stuff together, and I wanted to, I wanted that camaraderie, as I, you know, I know of it now as fellowship, I wanted that, and I didn't, 
I felt really, even in Alcoholics Anonymous, I felt alone. I felt so alone. Like I'm this young kid. I like just had a baby and, you know, I stayed sober through my pregnancy. And then after that, I was like, well, here we go again, you know, and I kept drinking and, and all that. But that was my first real, you know, there's like when my dad took me and then there, I was 17 when I was like, I have a fucking problem. (laughs) Like Mm. I have to do something. And so, well, then I got a burp. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, we're usually pounding Red Bulls, and so we're doing it. But you're 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 pounding us sparkling water. Yeah, seltzer water. Those will do it too. too. So, uh, when was your first intro and attempt into taking the twelve steps? Was it? It was this time that I got sober. Mm-hmm. August of two thousand nine. It was the first time I ever tried to work a step, thought about the steps. Uh, first time I got a sponsor. Mm-hmm. First time I actually did the things that you guys told me to do. Wow. How yeah. long? So the, you were 13 in 98, and then so then you would have been 17 in mm-hmm. 2002. And then it was 2009 before you finally hit that jumping off place that's described in our literature. Yes, okay. that was the time. And in between there, you know, I had ruined relationships. Um I ruined my education. I mean, I took all of my, I went, I got into university of Oregon, which was like my dream. I wanted to be an attorney. Um, and they gave back then they gave you a check. They just gave you a check for, um, what was it called? Tuition. Mm. Right. Okay. So they gave me the check, like at the financial aid office, I was with my son's dad and I was like, let's go cash this and get loaded. (laughs) I did not once think like maybe I should pay my tuition so I can stay in the school so I can be an attorney. I lasted one semester and um, I quit. I quit school because I wanted to drink. Mm. So in between there, I mean, it was a lot of like getting super bad. Like, I mean, you know, you know, you know how it is. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did until 2009. And um, actually, oh, I forgot this part. Um, My ex-husband is not an alcoholic. As far as I know, he's not an alcoholic. I had had three children. We just moved here to Cheyenne. He I told him when we started dating, I'm an alcoholic let me be, just let me be an alcoholic. And he was like, okay, we can do that. And obviously that did not work out. Um, you know, a couple of times I did some really terrible things, which I've made amends for. Thank God. Um, it's not like a high point in my life, but, um, he just said, you know, you gotta, you gotta get right. You gotta get sober. You have to do something. And he was going to send me to Sheridan Mm -hmm. and we planned it all out and I said no 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 no. here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go to a meeting I'm gonna get a sponsor and I'm gonna do the work and I'm gonna stay sober I did not mean one bit of that I was lying (laughs) so fucking hard I did not intend to stay sober and I didn't I didn't pick up a drink for 15 months but um I did a lot of pills Mm -hmm. um I got really really hooked on um just any opiate really any any opiate um, and that's how I got through that. Mm-hmm. That's how I got through the 15 months. Nobody mm-hmm. knew. Nobody yeah. knew I was doing that, you know, but I remember the group that I went to was the 12 and 12 and Dave Mack was at every single meeting that I went to mm-hmm. and he would just gently, you know, persuade me like, Hey, have you got a sponsor? Hey, have you got a book? Like mm-hmm. I had a book, but I'd never read it. And, and he would just say, maybe you should get a sponsor. Maybe, you know, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. what do you know? Jesus. <laughs> and I remember actually like, I found out how much, how long he had been sober. And it was like 30 some years at that point. Mm-hmm. I don't know, 31 years or something. And I remember thinking in the meeting, like, 
This guy's a fucking joke. There's no way anybody could stay sober for that long. There's no way. And I didn't believe him. I thought he was just a, like a crock. I thought he was totally full of shit. Um, but he was the one who was very patient with me. Um, he, he tried to guide as much as he could, you know, guide me to the, the, the people that would help me. And I didn't take any of that. I just, you know, when I finally got sober in August of 2009, that was the first thing I thought of was, you know, I have people, I have people that care Mm -hmm. and, and this is too much for me. So that was that. Do you remember what it was just out of curiosity that made you hit that breaking point after that, where you like, you were doing pills, you're being dishonest and like what, I mean, what broke that made you do the work? Do you Um, remember? So I don't know if I have a unique story or if this is very common. Um, the last night I drank, I think it was August 1st, but I chose August 4th as my sobriety date because I figured the alcohol's got to be out of my system. Yeah. You know, and I didn't want to like claim a date when I, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but um, I remember the, the night, the last night that I drank, I had no intention of, of never drinking again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to drink in the morning just like I had. Um, and, and all I know is when I woke up, I had like my son's, little spider-man garbage can (laughs) and it was on the couch with me and i had been vomiting into it throughout the night and there was blood in it there's blood in my in my vomit and i got really scared and i don't think that's necessarily the thing that like scared me into getting sober but Mm -hmm. i knew that if i continued that i was gonna die because i was very sick when i got sober yeah I think that's the that's the common part. Some it manifests differently for everybody, but I think at least for me, the same deal. It was like eventually I realized like, oh, I'm gonna die. Yes. Like that's that's the end of no matter what it took, like I finally realized, oh yeah, like this is there's only one way to end this thing. It's super scary yeah. too. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. Like no. I just never will. Yeah, the hopelessness that comes mm-hmm. in that state is like yes. I still remember, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Yeah, I still too. remember that. I'm like, oh my god, I, I can know. remember that clear as day yeah. still. So, that but yeah, I just, I just had the same understanding. Mm-hmm. It was just like I just knew to the depths of my soul that I was not going to make it out of this. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That's exactly. And I can't, I can't. Really, I mean, I've tried to describe that feeling for people that you know. Well, how did you, how did you get, you know, nine years, eight, whatever it was? And I just, I'll never forget like the feeling of the tile on my face and like my body Mm. and like I could not stop vomiting and I was really scared. I was like, you know, my biological mom died of alcoholism. My sister died of alcoholism and I have a bunch of siblings and family members who are still suffering and you know, they're probably going to die from that. And I was like, Holy shit, that's going to be me. Like there's no doubt in my mind that I would have, I'd be dead in probably a year. Yeah. It was awful. Wow. And so then you got into the work no. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I did not get okay. into the work. I stopped drinking. Um, let's see. God. Uh, I went to, oh, I went to the Anchor Club. First thing, still had puke in my hair. Puke on my, <laughs> puke on my shirt. I was all like, I was so gross. I don't know why they let me in there. Um, but there were people in there worse off than me, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. no, you guys know. So, yeah, there was people in there that were in worse shape than me. So I was like, fuck it. I'm where I belong. No, I did not start work right away. Um, I kind of fucked around for a month or two. Um, I was really apprehensive. I didn't know what to expect. But I do remember being in my first meeting, and someone in the program had died 
um, like the night before. I don't, I didn't know this person and I can't remember her name, but I know she was a friend of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's all anybody wanted to talk about was this chick had died. And I was like, I'm a newcomer. And I knew from other meetings, like newcomers are really special. And I, <laughs> I wanted the attention so bad. And I was pissed off that this chick had picked that day to die. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not getting any sympathy. Nobody came up after me and was like, here's a book, have a chip, blah, blah, blah. Nobody did that. And I was pissed. I was so mad. <laughs> but like I went to a couple more meetings and they finally like, I got my chip. I still have my chip. I just found it. It was really kind of emotional to find that like my 24 hour chip yeah. um and i had a book because my dad had given me his third edition and so i p- <laughs> the first chick that i wanted to be my sponsor i was listening to her in the meeting and i was like oh she like has it she like had makeup on her face yeah. and <laughs> she had her hair done and i think she had a job and i was like that is wow yeah. Can I have that? I want to do that. Life goals. Exactly. (laughs) Like she was not, she did not have vomit in her hair (laughs) or like on the side of her face or anything like that. Um, And after the meeting, I went outside to smoke and she was out there smoking and I was like, hey, and my heart was racing. I feel like I was going to ask her out on a date or something. Like it was super, super hard for me to ask her. Um, I had asked her like, hey, I'm new, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I need a sponsor. And she was like, oh, okay, that lady over there can sponsor you probably. And I was like, but why, what do you mean? And she was like, I don't have enough time. And I said, well, how long have you been sober? And she said, six months. And I thought, holy fuck, how long do you have to wait to like help other people? Mm. I had no understanding of, you know, we can help people from like the second we decide that we want to live sober. I didn't know that. I thought you had to go through all of this time and, and do these weird goals and shit. Like I had no idea. So I was kind of let down. I did ask the other lady and she was my sponsor. And then I finally got into the work at like two and a half, three months. Mm. And then from there, cause the, the group that Aaron was referencing was kind of a very structured, big book oriented you know, which is awesome. That's like all of our cup of tea. How did, how did you get to that point? Were you immediately kind of like enthralled with the big book and, you know, uh, I hate the word thumper, but you know what I mean? Did I go from like doing like a half-ass job to being like fully recovered? And like, how did I make that? Yeah. Like what's the transition into that and going, Oh my gosh, it's actually kind of a cool story. Um, it was thanks to people like Aaron. Um, I was, can I say other people's names or what? Um, we usually just try I'll and just like say another person. Okay. Yeah. If, if they've been on the podcast, we usually say their names, but I if they haven't, I don't we think don't. She has. Yeah. Um, so a mutual friend of ours, that's a female. <laughs> um, she started going to like all these meetings in Colorado with the, the other mutual friend you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. The one that's coming back in a week. Yeah. And they started like seeing this whole other side to Alcoholics Anonymous that I was unaware of. I did not know. If you're talking about Vanessa, she's been on the podcast. Oh, my God. Okay. It was yes. Vanessa. Yeah. yeah. So she started, like, you know, getting really into this other group and, and telling me all this stuff. She would come over and just be like, you know, this is what's going on. This is what I've been through. This is what's in, like, she just, she changed so much. And I was like, fuck, I want that. What am I doing? I hadn't sponsored anybody mm-hmm. at, like, two and a half years. I hadn't sponsored anybody. I'd gone through the steps one time. And... I mean, I had, you know, the necessary spiritual experience. I had what I needed to get to that two and a half year mark. And then that wasn't enough for me. Mm -hmm. I knew that there had to be more. Um, 
And I knew sponsorship, of course, obviously, we all know that's a huge part of it. You know, to continue our growth, we have to help others. So I put myself out there and um, started hanging with those kids. And um, I found so much more. Um, I didn't have a sponsor that I've been through a lot of sponsors. Um, and that's just me. That's just part of my personality. I'm kind of a shitty sponsee. Um, but I wanted what they had. I wanted to work. I wanted to to say words like they said and have experience. It was just like, I want to be like the cool kids, (laughs) but there was like work I had to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I did the work, you know, and I, I got a cool sponsor and we went through the steps, like how now I know how you're supposed to, not supposed to, but the more thorough step taking you know, like we, we sit and we read the entire book and we discuss everything and have no misunderstandings about it, mm-hmm. you know, and talk a little bit about the history of how this happened and who these people were. And um, it was pretty magical. I mean, it changed my whole life. It like overnight, you know, I went up and I worked with this lady and I got up to um, we did step seven in the morning. You know, we did four or five, uh, four and five through a whole entire day. And then we did six and seven at night. And then. I had my list, you know, mm-hmm. and I was ready to go out and do my thing. And I kind of just rode that for a while because mm-hmm. my amends are hard because your guys is, is easy. Mine are way harder than yours. Yeah. You would understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I stayed there for a while, um, but I did, you know, I did sponsor a lot of people and I was always available. Um, it's, it's where I, I'm comfortable. It's where I want to be. You know, that's mm-hmm. my purpose is to help other people. Mm-hmm. And whether that's in Alcoholics Anonymous or, you know, anywhere else, that's not for me to decide. But I definitely know that my purpose is to be of service somewhere. So right. that's definitely something I got out of that. Yeah. Are you going to ask a question? No, go ahead. Oh, and so that was like, what, two and a half, three years into your sobriety? You said yeah. You began to have this new experience with yeah. work? Yeah, and listening to speakers, mm-hmm. yeah. really cool speakers. Um, and I'm having the worst time remembering her name. Uh, she's so great. What is her name? Um, I'll, I'll think of it later, and I'll let you guys know. But she was like the first uh, speaker that I'd listened to that, and I remember her saying on her tape, like, Jeff gave me this tape this katie p is that her name katie no no oh. no what is her name it's like oh samantha samantha, samantha. Yeah, okay yeah, yeah 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 um that was the first like speaker that i'd listened to where i was like wow she's saying the same stuff that my friends are talking about mm-hmm. you know and that inspired me a lot and she had said in one of one of her uh tapes she said is it weird that we still say tapes even though we don't have tapes? I think they're going to be called normal? tapes forever. They're okay. Just, they're speaker <laughs> I tapes. I feel like I'm old and like that's no. not no, what I call people them call that it. Too. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened to her speaker tape and she had said, it was on the way to this cool meeting in Fort Collins. I was like tagging along with those kids. And she said something about like at that point she understood that she was sick and not bad. And I was like, holy shit, that's what's going on. That's what's happening. I'm not, and I, all that shame and that guilt and stuff, Mm -hmm. I was able to deal with that when I went through the steps again in a totally different way. What was that? Real professional, I don't know Marty. How to turn my phone off? I do this every fucking. <laughs> We've week. had like five episodes <laughs> in a row where Aaron's phone goes off. I, I'm just not a professional <laughs> no, podcaster. No, I can tell. That's pretty bad. Yeah. 
So you thought you were coming here to do something, you know, that was on the up and up. Yeah, it's no. just two chuckleheads. fucking around. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, cool. Amateur hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember, like, he also gave me that one. And one of the things that I, well, the thing that I remember for, I think she had had a period of sobriety and then went back out. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember that. But I remember her talking at the very end about the way she speaks to herself now. And, you know, at the beginning it was, um, you know, get out of, you know, calling herself lazy and mm-hmm. needing to get up and doing and just putting herself down. And the way that she spoke to herself at the time that she was speaking was like, come on, girl, like, get mm-hmm. up, just, you know, get up. And it was just much more loving and caring ways that she spoke to each other. Mm-hmm. And Like, I'd never had that experience, even at that time, even through my first time of sobriety. It was only until recently in this time in sobriety that I learned how to talk to myself a little more caringly mm-hmm. and just not so fucking harsh. It's just, I don't know, like... I don't, you know, if, again, for our listeners that aren't in recovery, I don't know if you, you know, like the idea that we might just be out here partying and having a good time is probably not accurate. You know, um, yeah. as, as, as hard as we are on the people around us, we're, I'm sure, twice as hard on ourselves. Um, I did not have much uh, self-worth when I got here, you know, and even through my first time of sobriety. So I don't know. I, I also appreciated that speaker tape with Samantha was the whole point of that. Yeah, it's almost like a totally different person, like when she you know, that last few times that she spoke that I've, I haven't heard anything like recent, but it was like a totally different person, you know, and, and mm. it was a lot softer and it was a lot more like self-acceptance, self-love. And I was not on that. I did not understand that, you yeah. know, that's still tough for me. You know, that's still going to be something that, I mean, eventually I hope to God that I get there, but mm-hmm. you know, there it's people like Samantha that are goals AF, like, yeah. you know, I want to get there just in a, maybe a different way. I don't for sure. I was just going to say that was one of the things like um, I just remember because we've always sort of been, I don't know, like connecting on another yes, level. With our sweaty hands. Yeah, that was it. Sweaty it was, hands. It was uh, <laughs> after the meeting having to, you know, hold hands and say a prayer and we, our hands were always just sweaty. Like I was embarrassed to, to hold yeah. your hand because I didn't want you to be like, fuck, dude, you're sweaty. <laughs> and then I, the first time I grabbed your hand, I was like, fuck, dude, yeah. you're sweaty. And yeah. we were like, whoa, yeah, imagine sweaty. That sweat. And it was that and that and that sort of self-deprecating humor that we have. But that yep. can really be a double-edged sword and we can use that to cut ourselves to shreds too fact yeah Yeah. um so you talked about sponsorship and stuff what's what was that experience like you said that you went through the work and and had a new experience Mm -hmm. and then did that yield people to work with it absolutely did yeah because that's my experience is i went through the work once and it was what I what I needed, what needed yeah. but then I went through the work again with our mutual friend, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it was like boom, people were in front of me, and you know I had a new experience, and as a result was ready. He used to always tell me when the teacher is ready, the student will appear. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't. Know. I think so. Yeah, really? that was my experience when I got when I went through the work and I was ready. People came into my life. So, so maybe I have a different perspective. So my whole outlook on on wanting to sponsor people and looking for sponsees is that the second you ask God to put someone in your life, it's like right there. Like you have someone, you have an opportunity and that can look all different ways. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, as long as you're showing up to the places where those people hang out, you know, and you're, and I think that had to do with like, kind of like that self love thing. You know, I finally get this experience, had this totally magical, totally awesome experience and I felt a completely different way and I like you know completely had dependence on 
on a higher power, like for once in my life mm-hmm. at like three years sober, like finally, you know, and I wasn't miserable before it just, it like, like I said, it was enough to get me to that point, you mm-hmm. know? So once I get that, I feel, and I think the second time around, I really understood kind of the pressure behind doing 12 step work, you know? And I kind of, avoided that before because I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I didn't know what I was talking about, you know? And then, um, my husband, who's also in recovery, he has a lot longer than me, but anyway, he told me, um, you know, we don't, we're not, that's not for us to decide. That's not our job to decide that. Um, and, and God will put people in your, in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that you can help. And it's up to you to like take that up or to point across the room and say, Hey, that person can help you. And right. I'm not a big fan of that, but I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess what I was thinking was like, again, um, so, you know, like w- our book describes us as um, without a drink, we're restless, irritable and discontented. And, and then we take a drink and then that treats that condition. And um, once we take the alcohol away, we're left with that feeling still, right? Like that's the, that's the problem. And, um, then we have this spiritual program of action that we treat that with. And, you know, one thing we were talking about a little bit about before through, through, um, different times in your sobriety, you've got to taste both, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got to taste the goody goods of doing the deal and then the consequences of not doing the deal. And I was wondering if maybe you could just talk, you know, briefly and you know in part about the times you know in your past where you've also experienced you know what it's like because I think we have those maybe listeners out there too that have had that experience or that are that are around the program but maybe not into the work that haven't drank and they're completely tore up on inside and maybe that you know if they haven't had the same experiences the same people in their lives that we've had the pleasure of having you know, may not understand why, or maybe you've got that loved one in your life and he's not drinking or she's not drinking, but they are fucking up and down and all over the map. And like what that, what we refer to as untreated alcoholism has manifested at various times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something I like to talk about. I like to, so I was going to some meetings and everything, you know, like I just really felt, and this was after I'd had some like poor experiences based on my own spiritual like uh lack of spiritual you know my lack of depending on a higher power like I get in there and I think I can run the show all like all the time just because I you know have been sober this long that doesn't mean that I don't get my own freaking way all the time you know and in those time periods like it was really hard for me to recognize but you know I would get to a point and I've always heard that like five years is like a really tough um mile marker for a lot of people like their fifth year is just like a shit show Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I subconsciously like decided to become a total shit show at five years (laughs) but um I got suit and it's just like it talks about in the book like I was restless I was irritable as hell and I was so discontented with everything around me and I I got so wrapped up in like my own choices you know I would choose to think this say that do this and and before I knew it I wasn't depending on God whatsoever Mm -hmm. I mean I wasn't waking up and saying so this is what I do when I'm in spiritual like when I'm doing really good I wake up in the morning the first thing I do is say okay God here we go it's the Mm -hmm. first thing I say and I say we because I can't do this like I will run this 
fucking thing into the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I will. And, and so that was the way that I kind of got myself ready in the morning was like, okay, God, here we go. And that would kind of be there throughout the day, you know? And I remember one time I was having a hard time remembering to pray Mm. (laughs) like for a day or two. I mean, and I, and I went to a, a meeting and this, this old dude had said, uh, maybe you can just put some notes on your coffee maker, like, or in the bathroom or something and just, just put like pray or God or something like that. And I ended up doing that. Um, and it worked like it got me and it's not, I don't want to like, like give you guys the impression that it's something like, Oh, you just think about God and pray and you're like super healthy. (laughs) That is not what I'm talking about. Like I have to start with God every single moment of my life or I get, it's either God or nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it for me. That is it. And I, and I know it talks about that in the book and, and you don't really get a good look at that until you're a little sober. And then you've, you've had that, like the goods that you're talking about, like you're healthy and spiritual and everything is going well. And then you decide one day or whatever, whatever happens and you, and you choose something different, you know, that is like, you don't get that until you're there, until you've experienced it. Um, and then we have the choice. We have the choice where we can say, you know what? I'm not doing real good. I've already done the solution. I've already been through all that. I know the solution. And that can be one of the hardest parts in recovery is where you're already recovered. You already took care of the desire to drink. You're already helping others. You've had a spiritual awakening. You know, you, you're depending on God, like all the things we're supposed to do but then you start feeling like shit because you stopped doing it for a little bit or whatever happens. Like everyone's different. Mm -hmm. I just stopped doing it because I get lazy and I really like running the show. Mm. I really like to be like, okay, Charlene, let's do this. You know, Mm -hmm. that is the worst thing I could do. (laughs) So, and like, like I said, it's either God is everything or else he is nothing. And that is exactly how it is for me. There's no in between. There is just no in between. Um, so I think that, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's just how it's been shown to me and I don't know anyone else's experience, but I do like to share that stuff. I do like to let people know, like it's not all, you know, soda pop and rainbows or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important that we talk about that. And so many people don't, so many people don't. And it's like, you know, they'll, they'll speak or they'll, they'll, you know, like get up to do like a speaker meeting or whatever, or they'll, they'll talk in a meeting and just be like, God has blessed me and I am just (laughs) so healthy. And everyone's like, that's wonderful. That's great. However, you know, Joe over there is having a shitty fucking day and you know, he's done all the work and Mm -hmm. he's not sure what the hell's going on. Why doesn't he have sunshine and rainbows going on? You know, he did the same thing that you did. So why are we not talking about when things go south? I think it's really, really important, especially with sponsorship you know, to talk about, it's not always going to be easy. It's going to suck ass sometimes. Mm. And, and you have a choice ultimately. I mean, it's our choice to take that spiritual path and do the things we're supposed to do, or, you know, wish we were better and not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. That's just been my experience, I guess. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I like I've had multiple experiences in, in sobriety where, um, I kind of stopped doing shit and then my life gets dramatically worse in yep. inside, you know, maybe not so much externally. I even had an experience where I was, I had made some amends. Some of my outside world was getting better and better and my inside world was collapsing and I'm like ready to die again, you know, nine months sober. And I'm like, I, 
I got nothing. Like I have not, I got nothing, you know? And so for me, I used to, and this has happened in like the last six months, maybe I used to really pound the work when I was miserable and upset and having a really tough go. And then I had this experience where it was like, I don't only have to do this work when I'm in pain. And that was profound. And that just happened. And I, I talk about it with Aaron a lot. It's like, touchstone pain is the touchstone of growth spiritual growth or whatever and it's like i agree with that but this program is designed that i don't only i don't have to be miserable to do this work and when when i can stay in that realm like it's untapped i was just talking with a sponsor about that the other day like it's it's untapped the world is un, it's a you know like i can there's no cap on how much growth i can get to the only cap is me like i'm the only thing that gets in the way of that and so for me that's it's, I've had this change where it's like, I don't do the work to get better. I, I, I'm better. And so I do the work like this complete psychic change of, I don't know how to explain it other than like, it just, I'm like, Oh yeah, I just, I fucking do this thing in my life can get better. You know, it's crazy and it can continue to get better. So, but I do know very much like, uh, falling off. I mean, I've done that. And so now as a result, I feel like I'm more armed with what to do when someone's falling off or right. if I'm falling off. So, yeah. I, I had an experience where, because I would been through the work and everything and I was always, you know, like I was going into meetings, um, you know, I'm, I'm there to share a solution, you know, and, and I'm there to, and I got a pitch, you know, and my pitch is to get the new person to do the work. Right. And I'm talking about the benefits of it so much that when things started to go wrong in my life, then I was in a position where I didn't feel comfortable being honest with about about with mm-hmm. what was really going on with me, you know, about the fact that I was that had at that point become demanding of God, and uh-huh. I mean, there's this, there obviously no <laughs> yeah. humility in that. And tell your knock your socks off story. What's that? Tell the knock your socks off story. I don't. Re- with, I don't remember. Didn't you tell God you were going to go through the work again oh, and it better yeah, knock yeah, your yeah. socks yeah. off? <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. I, Listen yeah. here, buddy. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. I was like, I'm going to do this work again. I better have a big uh, spiritual experience and it better knock my socks off. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then the next thing you know I'm drinking and shooting up. So <laughs> let me tell you how, that's how that's how making demands goes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really great um not a metaphor because it really happened to you, but it's a really great illustration of, you know, like you said, like being demanding of God when things are going south because of your own lack of commitment and your mm-hmm. lack of whatever you know in in my case i just get complacent and it talks about that in the book you know it just we can't just coast we can't just ride this good thing and like you said um only do the work when we're feeling crappy you know or do mm-hmm. the work when there's some obstacle in front of us um this is this is for life this is yeah. to maintain my life and to keep all of the things that i have and it's so simple when you're doing it you're like You know, it's not much to ask for a life free from misery and, you know, total chaos. It's not a lot to ask, but I think that's kind of that million dollar question is like, how do I get, you know, like, like, I don't know, like when I would, would start sponsoring people and I thought, well, why aren't they getting, why don't they, I told them how I did it. I told them what happened to me. (laughs) And I always pictured like having like the solution in like this Iron Man thing that you can Mm. pull out of your chest. And I just wanted to shove it into Mm. their chest because I can't, that's my will. I'm trying to shove recovery down your (laughs) throat and you're not getting it because you're a moron. (laughs) But that's not it. You know, it's just, it's 
it takes what it takes. And I always have to remember that it takes what it takes. It took, I didn't plan on quitting drinking, yeah. you know, I had no intention mm-hmm. of quitting drinking. I was partying and I was having a really good time. And then I wasn't. And, and that's just what it took. And everyone's story is totally different. Just yep. like in recovery, all of our stories are totally different, but it's kind of neat to see how these ebbs and flows happen almost like a pattern. Like, you know, yeah. you kind of get a little off track maybe you don't go to as many meetings and then you're kind of grumpy one day and maybe, you know, I take that shit to an extreme. I like to just not be recovered at all. I like to see how far I can go. <laughs> I don't like to, but it's happened. You know, like I said, at my five year mark, it was, I quit doing everything. I quit praying. I quit um, believing in anything Mm -hmm. other than myself. And I was running the show. And I remember just waking up one night and being like, this is the worst I've ever felt in my life. And I wanted, I wanted to die. I just wanted to quit. And it had been months. It had been months of faking it, going to meetings, telling people how great everything was. And that's when I got pissed off that people don't talk about the bad parts, you know, Mm. when we're not all perfect, like, it talks about that. Like we're just not. Um, so let's, let's, you know, show people that, you know, it's okay to go through those things as long as, you know, even if you don't make it, you know, when you come back or whatever, I mean, there's so many examples of we're so human and, and we all make mistakes and we're not perfect in any way. Um, I did talk about that story. I tell all of my sponsees that story. I tell them, you know, like I almost checked out Mm -hmm. five years. I almost checked out and I was set on it and I had a psychiatrist and I told him like, Hey, this is it. I'm going to go. And you know, things had to change after that. I won't go into those details, but, um, I did have kind of like a spiritual awakening from that time period. And it just had a lot to do with I don't know if it was that surrender, you know, I don't feel like we talk enough about that surrender and that can happen every day. I mean, if you're having a shitty day, you can just surrender, but I don't know how to force a surrender. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that. I don't know if that, if that entails like me being humble and like, how do you act humble? Like I get into this whole, like, I'm still running the show. I'm still controlling all of these things. And it happens, you know, it happens and it takes what it takes to, to not be that way again. So um, that's, that's it. Yeah. The, I just think of the literature talks about the jumping off point and like, I've reached multiple ones of those and like not drank, but still reached a new jumping off point where it's like a full on surrender. Like I got fucking nothing left again. Like what the hell happened? I got nothing left again. And so I guess I'm, I'm ready to do the work so that that process yields spiritual growth which again it sucks that that's what it takes sometimes and i don't know how to like you said i think life forces that i don't like concoct surrender i'm not like all right so if (laughs) i do this and this and this i'm gonna surrender and like in my mind it makes sense but in reality it's like i don't know eventually i just give up and then i'm ready to to do something different again so yeah i totally understand i i think it's been last summer probably about this time when i went through the work in the last time but it was prior to um because i just had such a wonderful experience and i had just been so broken that nothing i didn't nothing really mattered and god had changed my life so much and i was just like you know i don't know cruising man cruising through that first year year and a half and uh and then i just started becoming just just irritable again and just little things bothering me and uh, I, I started to be, become afraid, and so I started be, 
come up with all of these plans <laughs> that I think I, that I needed to do to fix it. And I spent maybe a couple of weeks doing this because I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I know what it's like out there. It's not, it's not the funnest. And so I had all these ideas and plans on if I maybe did this and this and then tried to, you know, intellectualize and, and make these. And then one day, you know, like a lightning bolt moment, the thought was, why don't you just go tell your sponsor what's going on? <laughs> it's something that I failed to do the time before. <laughs> yeah. And so I just was like, hey, uh, this is what's going on in my life right now. Because we don't meet every week, and uh, and that's cool. Like, I really enjoy our relationship. But uh, I was like, I've got this, this, and that going on. And he's like, yeah, I think it's probably time to go through the work again. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> and then I wrote inventory, and then we came over and exchanged inventories and ran it through the rest of the, you know. And I was just like, oh. But it's just like, and the, the the thing is, is like when I'm in it, I can't see my way out, you know? So my default is to try and think my way out of the situation. And I'm just like, yeah. and I've got all these plans on how I'm going to get my way out of this. And it was, it's just, it's just the same as when I was using it. And if I was just do this and if I can just do this and if I can, then I'll be able to stop. And I don't have to live this way anymore. But ultimately for me, it's just about like being honest and then taking action on that. It's just incredible though, how my brain can convince me that I can still think my way out of these situations. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I used to get told all the time you can't intellectualize a spiritual experience. Yeah. And I was like, I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't work. You're yeah. like, you just watch. Yeah, exactly. And then I did the work yeah. and had a spiritual experience <laughs> after. But uh, I was going to ask you, um, what's it like being you know, married and in, in a relationship with someone else that's in recovery. Cause like Megan and I are together and we're both in recovery. And so I always ask anyone that has a similar experience, what, what they are experiences like in that realm. If you're okay talking about yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Um, I was pretty new when my husband and I started dating and I mean, I would honestly change how we got together if I could go back, but I can't, it's just part of how I grew and how I learned and, and I've made amends for that mm -hmm. if you catch my drift <laughs> um it's been i mean i was so attracted to my husband because he he spoke about the things that were shitty he spoke about and then coming up from those and what he did in detail he would tell in detail how he got over some pretty harsh things you mm -hmm. know and that it's not perfect and and I just really admired him plus he's super hot so it's like <laughs> that helps big time um we're, you know, I worried when we first got together that we would both be, because I understood what taking someone else's inventory was. I was only a year sober when we got together. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was really new at everything, and I hadn't been in a healthy relationship ever in my whole entire life. Never. I'd never been sober in a relationship. This was my first real relationship, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and he led the way, man. He was, you know, he, he had had, I don't know how long he's been sober, 30 some years yeah, now. That's like 32 or so something. Because like he got sober when he was like four. 16. Yeah. Right. <laughs> four or five. Yeah, four. More like eight, I think. Yeah. It was like eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. No, he was, yeah, you're right. He was 16 when yeah. he got sober. And uh, I, I really didn't, I wanted so badly to impress him because I was like, you know, when I was going through the stuff and hanging with the cool kids, I'd come home and I'd talk about stuff and I'd open the book and he'd be like, yep. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, and he's like, yep. Like he was so humble about everything when I, and then I would go through stuff. This is what I really loved about like when we first got together, like I would go through some, like, I don't even have an example right now 
but like things I would realize in recovery, like, like when you start sponsoring someone like, oh, you can't force them to do this, that, and that. like my first sponsor or sponsee, I was like, it was a totally new experience. And I was baffled mm-hmm. that, you know, it went the way that it went, you know, and she wouldn't listen to me. And, you know, I did it the way that my sponsor did it. And she still went out and drank and I was just blown away. I was like, well, what the fuck? It didn't work for her. What mm-hmm. the, f- what did I do? And got and my spouse, <laughs> he wasn't my spouse at the time, but he said, um, it's not about you. And I was like, fuck you. It's <laughs> yeah. never about me. And the people that like mean the most to me that say the most meaningful things, it usually entails something to the effect of it's not about you. Yeah. So, <laughs> and he would just be so gracious with it. You know, like I would learn new things and it would blow my fucking mind. It would just be the biggest, greatest thing ever. And he'd be like, that's great, honey. You know, mm-hmm. he wouldn't get excited with me, but he wouldn't like brush me off. You right. know, he was like, that's really great, you know, because he's already been through all that stuff, you know, in the beginning that I went through, yeah. you know, and I worried about us taking each other's inventory and things like that. But he's he is so much more experienced with like relationships than I was ever. Mm-hmm. And so I just I followed his lead, you know, and and I went through a, a couple times. I mean, a few years where I was like why do you like me? Because I did take his inventory and I did say, Hey, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Or you're not going to be with me. You know, Mm -hmm. things like that. I mean, I was really mean to him, not mean, but I just wasn't comfortable with myself is when I was going through some really shitty times, like around five years, you know, when I was insane, dude, I was totally insane. And Mm. he stuck by me and he put up with me. He never told me once, you know, go to a meeting, call your sponsor, doing it. He's never, I mean, I'm super lucky. I'm really, really lucky to have him. And, and he like super digs me, man. He like loves me so much. Hmm. Um, it's good, you know, and it has its ups and downs and it's just like any relationship. But at the end of the day, like we respect each other's space. We respect each other's relationship with a higher power. We don't necessarily like pray together and do, and I've always wanted that, like those that pray together, stay together. <laughs> like I thought, oh, that'd be so cool. We tried that. It's not our bag, man. Mm-hmm. It's not. And that's okay. You know, as long as we're maintaining some kind of some semblance of a spiritual life separately, when we come together, we're both with God, you know, we're mm-hmm. both. And that, you know, we've talked about that, like the number one thing in each of our lives has to be God. And we've said, you know, it's not our kids. It's not our jobs. It's not each other. It has to be God. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be with anyone else who, who's, you know, if I were with someone else or whatever, and they didn't believe that, that would not be okay with me because yeah. I think that it takes a while to get that figured out. Like God is actually, it's not your sobriety, you know, <laughs> it's not your kids. It's not yourself. It's like God has to come first no matter what. And you don't have to be loud and weird about it. You can just be a spiritual being and yeah. fucking kick ass. So I'm pretty lucky that I ended up with him. He's a good dude. I found that not being loud about it is best for me. I found that usually when I'm loud about it, there's a, a humbling coming down the road. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, praying together, I, 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 praying was so awkward for me and still can be mm-hmm. alone that to include somebody else in that, even if it is, you know, my BFF, right. it was awkward. I got, I think we can do it a little bit now, but uh, it's still a little... Yeah, like, we can hold hands and silently pray. Like, if we have something going on, like, in our family life or something, like, kids, his family, things like that, when things are stressful, you know, and he's worked up and I'm worked up, we can, like, sit quietly together, and that's how we pray together. But we don't, like, jeer Jesus, you know? Yeah. We don't sit there and, <laughs> you know? And that's so cool when people can do that. I love it when I see couples that are super open together and they are, like, God is, like, their number one, and they're, like, 
all about it and they can pray together. That is rad. I think that is super cool. It's just mm-hmm. not, it's not for us and maybe it will be later, but we're, we're good. You talked about, uh, you talked about family and kids. How many, I was just, how many, how many of you are together now? How are, how many kids do you have? He's got one that's out of the house, right? But then the rest two, of them are with three. you? No, two. He has three children, and I have three children. Okay. And how many of them are with you guys? My three children live with us. Okay. And then his three are out on their own. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's a pretty full, it's a, it's an, it's an AA version of the Brady Bunch. It's a lot. It is. <laughs> it totally is. That's what I always said too, because it's like three boys and three girls. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It totally is. Yeah. You're, um, you seem to have, and like, you seem to have, have shared your sense of humor with your children and they be, and they are uh in on it as well like when i see oh, the yeah. stuff that you're going and the stuff that they're saying back like you guys seem to genuinely have fun and poke fun as a family is that yes accurate? we would not survive if we could not <laughs> laugh at everything and make fun of each other and it's definitely part of our family structure like gus is such a joker and he pokes fun at everybody and he's constantly i mean in the beginning like it took my kids a long time to get used to him because he was just like relentless like i was like (laughs) dude chill out like they're just babies but they got so used to it and they throw it back so hard on him like it is hilarious to see the banter that goes on in our house it's i mean humor has to be there you know Mm -hmm. definitely I worked with guests when I was um, the first time, and I talked about this the first time I tried to uh, hit up the AA. I was twenty, and that's when I had met Gust, and then, and then uh, went back. You know, went, didn't do anything or didn't do a lot, and then so was drinking. But um, I, he or my other sponsor got me a job working for them on an asphalt crew, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Gus um, was in fact relentless. Only I was a man child, and I was not. <laughs> I was so pissed at Gus all the time. <laughs> And he was absolutely relentless because I was always hung over and late to work and ended up losing that job because of it. So, but he actually, he, he <laughs> showed, he showed no mercy mm-hmm. on That's me whatsoever. Awesome. Yeah. He was like, oh, I don't care, man. Like sober up. I don't know what to tell you. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do the right thing. I don't know. What do you want from me? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Just show up. I uh, almost asked him when, when my sponsor moved to Germany, I almost asked him to be my sponsor and then I didn't see him because our schedules, because like his schedule is kind of, oh yeah, off. It's whack. And so then totally. I didn't see him for like six weeks, and I, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not supposed <laughs> to. Wasn't ask supposed him, to but, happen. Yeah. But yeah, I did because I just I really value him and everything that he brings. He's very, uh, he's got a good perspective. So I think so too, yeah. and I abuse it to the max. Mm-hmm. I run everything by him. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. you've been sober for a century. Let me know. <laughs> Am I doing this right? And he is so like. I'm not going to do this for you. I'm not going to tell you to do it. I'm not going to, you know, he's just gracious. He's cool. like full of God. And I'm like, ah, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's just so much more spiritual than I am. And I'm like, I'm a shit show, but what are you going to do? All right. We are uh, 54 minutes in. Marie, uh-huh. do you got any other questions? We're cruising. Um, no, I don't think so. The only thing I was going to ask about, like, so, but like your heart's sort of still back in Oregon, right? Like, is that, or do you, are you pretty well acclimated to the, to the Great Plains? I feel like I'm home here. I feel like I'm home and we've talked about um, moving and we had a plan to actually move back to Oregon. Um, and God had other plans. So we're trying to take his lead and, and we're here for now. We don't have any plans to leave. Okay. Yeah. I just, for some reason, maybe it's because you, I don't know, ducks posting. I can't remember. I I just probably made up a story about 
your heart being in Oregon and no, my family's there. Yeah. Everyone I love is there. So yeah. my best friend's there. If I could live there, I would, but that's not in the cards right yeah. now. So yeah. Yep. Megan and I want to move to Oregon as well. So we're, it's beautiful. Kicking around the idea of that because she just graduated and we're getting married next summer and then we're <gasps> contemplating. You didn't know that we no, got engaged? Yeah, I we got didn't. engaged in January. I'm still so. out of the loop. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are really good together. We're excited. That's so. awesome. Yeah. But when Kyle says Megan and I are thinking about moving, he might as well say Megan and I and then Aaron and Amber will try and follow yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Let's we'll just all go. Let's okay. do it. We'll we need just to build pack some up. good recovery in Oregon because sometimes it's a little on the shifty side. Maybe we could start a cult instead and <laughs> grow vegetables <laughs> and buy a plot of land up there. <laughs> you are like all live in the same, yeah. Yeah. The same roof. Cabin or something. If we're looking for a leader, I've got somebody in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, you're yeah. something else. Uh, well, thank you for being on this. Yeah. Uh, I I say this a lot. There's, um, and not in a slam at anybody, but there's uh, select women that I really value in the program. And since I've known you, you have been one of those. So thank Bro. you. Yeah. yeah thank you for being on this. That's for, very nice. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. I was going to say something similar. I think when we had Chet on the show, he's somebody that doesn't understand his own value in the program exactly. and how much he has. And, I'm not sure you understand the value that you have, and we just appreciate you. So Absolutely. For that means on. a lot to me. Really, Thank it you. does. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes. I'm really glad to be here, and and I'm never going to listen to this, but... We'll tell you how good it is, Yeah, though. tell me how, how it goes. <laughs> right. We haven't even posted it, and it's already got a 1,000 listens. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, you again.